Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. Okay, so any moms out there listening, if you happen to have missed this year's By the Brook Retreat that Rising Above hosts every summer for moms who are raising children with special needs, no worries, because it is now available for download on our website. And so you can watch it anytime that it works for you. Maybe even when you're up in the middle of the night with your child, like I find myself many nights. Um, And you can find out more information on our website, risingaboveministries.org. Just go to the By the Brook page and you'll find out all the information that you need on how you can download this year's retreat. It was absolutely amazing. So if you missed it, be sure to check it out. My guest today is Sarah Brody, and Sarah lives in Southern Indiana with her husband, Kyle, and three teenage boys, Ben, Sam, and Josh. And their son, Sam, was diagnosed with autism at the age of two, and their lives have been spent navigating the special needs life through therapy and school and church and with family and at home. And Sarah began her blog, Hope in Autism, as a way to chronicle her journey as a special needs parent. But she soon realized that the blog was a way for her to encourage other special needs parents. Sarah is also the producer and host of a Special Hope podcast, which you can find on all platforms. And we had such an open and honest conversation about the joys and the challenges that special needs families face. So here's the great conversation that I had with Sarah Brody. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm doing great, Becky. How are you? I'm good. This is the first time I've seen you in a while. We've known each other for, goodness, several years. I've been on your show before and we've met at conferences, but it's, you know, with COVID and all the things, this is the first conversation that we've had in a while. So good to see you. a very long time. I know, I know. It was great to to see everybody back at... uh, Inclusion Fusion. Yes. And I had a um, bit of so, FOMO because I missed out this year. But we missed um, seeing you. Kim and Kim and uh, Clarissa though. They they, they were re- there. They represented well. Yeah, they represented well. They did good. But uh yeah, so it's 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 I'm ready to get back in the swing of things and hopefully, you know, make it make it next year. So yeah. But uh tell tell our listeners a little about you and where you live and about your crew and a little bit about your life. Sure. Uh, my name is Sarah Brody, and we live in Southern Indiana, just across the river from Louisville. Um, so uh, I live here with my husband, Kyle, and our three boys, Benjamin, Samuel, and Joshua. Um, we moved here just two years ago. We moved in January of 2020, wow. which was the best time great, to make a Great move. time to move, yeah. <laughs> a move and a career change. Um, he was in full-time ministry for almost 12 years and uh, went back to education, uh, really his first love. Um, his alma mater high school, the choir director was leaving and retiring, and she was calling him in to replace her. And he's a choral director. He was in worship ministry previously, um, and it was just something he could not possibly say no mm. to. So uh, this is his hometown. His whole family lives here. So we're, we're here uh, with family and our kids are now going to the same high school that their dad and their grandparents went to. Wow. So it's pretty incredible. Uh, Benjamin and Joshua will both be in choir and have their dad as their teacher, which <laughs> uh, is pretty cool. That should cool. be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see how that goes, right? 
Yes, yes. And they're all in theater and Kyle used to do theater. So, uh, and as, as well as his mom. So we've got three generations of thespians on the same stage, which is pretty cool. That's fun. So we live here in Indiana and we have uh, Benjamin, our oldest, he is 18. He's heading off to college in August and he's going to be going to Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Wow. And I know, so I'm going through... He's my first baby. So I'm yeah, going through some stuff there. Goodness. Sam is 16. He will be 17 in August and he will be a senior in high school. So I'll send one off to college and then turn around and do the whole senior year wow. thing back to yeah. back with Sam. And uh, Sam was diagnosed with autism when he was two. So he is our, our kiddo uh, with a disability. And so we've been navigating that his whole life. Yeah. Joshua is our youngest, and he will be a freshman in high school this year. Uh, he'll be 15 in September, and he um, he's into band and choir and theater, all the arts. Um, Benjamin is a musician um, and discovered a love for acting as well. And Sam has always been, um, he's actually been really our only sports kid. So he discovered cross-country and he also does photography. He loves photography. That's kind of the career path he wants to go towards, photography, maybe film. And, uh, and then he also discovered a love of acting. Um, he actually landed um, kind of a semi-lead role as Judd Fry in Oklahoma this oh past goodness. year, wow. which was incredible. He had to sing and dance. He had a whole song all to himself, and he had never sung ever before in his life. We, I had never heard him sing ever. And so it was just... I mean, he blew us all away. It was incredible. And all those but, things that you probably thought maybe would never happen, you know, oh, possibly yeah. never happen. And then boom. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's yeah. something I could have never predicted. Like, oh, well, maybe one day he'll be on the stage. He'd never been interested in theater, never been interested in the arts or music or anything at all. And quite frankly, I think he got sick and tired of hearing everybody else in our family talking about theater and choir. And he was like, fine, if you can't fine. do them, join them. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna give in. I'm going to be a part of it. Oh, and he my was goodness. incredible. He was amazing. So, and because he, his memory is, um, he just has such a proclivity towards memorization. And I mean, he can memorize entire movie scripts. Uh, so memorizing lines is not a problem for him I, at um, all. Yeah. It's, it's it's incredible. And he has perfect pitch. So that helps Goodness. for when he sings too. Yeah. yeah. We discovered that recently. So well I read on your website that you you love tea. Like you're I do. you're a, you love tea. So tell me about your tea obsession and oh like I will what tell you, you. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in college um, I, so I'm a piano teacher. That's what I got my degree in. And when I was in college, I had to uh, teach and I had to drive to the students' houses. And there was this one family, they lived uh, kind of way out in the country. They were homeschoolers. And so I, I had to drive quite a ways to get there, but I was there for an hour to teach two kids. And when I started, it was in February. It was very cold, uh, just bitter cold. And she asked me if I wanted any hot tea. And I didn't want to be rude and say no. Um, you know, if somebody offers you a drink, you're supposed to, you know, say yes. And and I thought, well, I'd only ever had hot tea whenever I was sick and my mom would make me, you know, the honey and, and that kind of thing. Um, so I had no idea what to expect. I just said yes to be courteous. And so she made me this tea and she asked me if I wanted milk and sugar. And I thought, Ew, yeah, yeah. that sounds disgusting. And I said, oh, I'll just have sugar, please. Thank you. So she made it with, with sugar and it was, it was very good. 
And then the following week, she said, would you like another cup of tea? I don't remember though, if you like milk and sugar or just sugar. And I thought, well, I put milk in my hot cocoa to make it creamy. I wonder if the same you know, thing applies for tea. And I thought, well, I mean, I can try it. If I hate right. it, I'll just ask for sugar next time. So I asked for milk and sugar. And it was the best thing I'd ever tasted How in my funny. life. And I'm like, what is, what is this? You've missed your nectar? whole life not knowing. Yeah. yeah. And she said, oh, it's called Earl Grey. And I'm like, where do you buy it? She's like, uh, Kroger. Funny. <laughs> like, that's fantastic. So I launched into uh, just, I, it's, my, it's my morning coffee. I have to have my hot tea every morning to feel like a human being. And uh, and I'm very old fashioned. I really like the really pretty dainty tea cups. Mm-hmm. And so I have all the tea things. I have all of it and I love it. So oh, that's your thing. And, and I have converted many non-tea drinkers into tea drinkers with my Earl Grey tea. There you go. Well, I've I'm gonna have to try people. some because I'm a coffee drinker. So I'm not so much a tea drinker. So someday, someday you'll have to make me I, Sarah I took Brody it with me official when I travel. Do you really? Wow. <laughs> Two. You never know. Well, if it's it's one of those things, you know, you can get coffee pretty much anywhere you go, but tea, that's kind of, and sometimes the brands at the coffee shops are not very good. And so I just, I like my, my twinings Earl Grey. Yeah. And you go with it. Well, yeah. So you said Sam is how old now? He's, he's going to be starting a senior year. So 16. He'll almost be 17. And so think back all those years ago when you first started finding out, you started going, okay, something's a little different here. What was mm-hmm. it like? What did you start seeing in him that made you go, I think we need to have something looked at here? Mm-hmm. Sam was always, a, he always seemed to be a very happy baby for the most part, but he would have these screaming fits and he could not be consoled at all. And it wasn't that, it, it, it wasn't like a colicky kind of thing. None of my kids had colic, but the doctor was like, no, it's, it's not colic, but he would just, he would just scream and he was completely inconsolable. Um, as, as he got through his first year, he actually met all of his major developmental milestones on time, like sitting up and rolling over, crawling, you know, he was maybe slightly delayed on some of those things, but for the most part, he had met his gross motor skills, uh, but babbling and, and he babbled some and cooed some, but he never really started using words. Um, when he was a year old, at some point he said mama and dada, but then he never used them again. Mm. And the pediatrician said, well, sometimes they think that they've mastered it because they said it one time and then they feel like, like, I don't really need to use this word anymore. Um, but he wasn't gaining any speech skills at all. And, um, around 18 months old, um, the screaming fits as a baby had turned into, um, something a little bit more severe. And he started banging his head repeatedly mm. um, against the floor or the wall, or if he was kind of crawling up to a couch or a chair, he would do it on, you know, but it, it would always be against something. It wasn't that he would do it with his hand. He would do it against something else. And it just seems so very strange and it was very upsetting. Um, but, and he still didn't have any speech skills and so um, I did what every mother does. And I went to Google. Mm, Dr. Google. Right. Yep. I've got my, I told my friend, uh, Mallory Brown, you know her. Yeah. I told her, uh, I have my PhD. Yeah. Uh, and, Dr. Google. <laughs> Dr. Yeah, that's Google. good. That's good. Um, 
So I went to Google and started trying to type in, you know, um, 18 months, no words, bangs head. And all these results, autism, 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 mm, autism wow. came back. And, and I was like, no, 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 Google, you did not understand the assignment. Yeah. So mm. I tried something different and it just, it just, I, I felt like I knew that something was going on at that point. It was very clear that there was something. And there was one particular day, uh, Kyle was playing with Benjamin, who was about 19 months older than Sam. And they were wrestling on the floor and laughing and giggling and playing. And I was pregnant with our third child. And so I was sitting on the couch and Sam comes kind of running in from across the room and he dove onto the pile. And I thought, oh, good. He's engaging with play because he would kind of just always be on his own. Mm -hmm. And um, and so he jumped onto the pile and he was laughing and, and playing too. And then I realized something a little startling and it was that he was not actually genuinely engaging. He was just copying and mimicking mm. his brother. Yeah. Anything that his brother did, he, he was kind of watching to see what Benjamin was doing and then he would do it too. Mm-hmm. Um, other things like he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't turn his head when I called his name. He wouldn't respond whenever I tried to talk with him. And so we thought, I thought, well, maybe there's a hearing issue. So at some point he had his back turned and I kind of snuck up a little bit behind him. And I didn't, bam, like I had, I had different things to use to make noise to see if he would turn around. Mm-hmm. And he always turned to look and see what I was doing. But if I, but at the same time, I would try to call his name before I made a noise and he wouldn't turn. But then if I made the noise, he would turn. Mm-hmm. And so when he was 18 months old, um, we were sent for a hearing and speech evaluation and I remember sitting in the, in, the, in the hearing evaluation in that dark box and they would play different sounds from different parts of the room. And if he turned his attention, it would light up a toy or something to reward him. And I remember I had to hold him on, on my lap, you know, yeah. and I remember praying that he was deaf. Wow. I remember praying, like, because in my mind, yeah. if he was deaf, that's something that, that I could understand and wrap my mm-hmm. brain around and we could um, we could address that. There are yeah. hearing aids. We could learn sign language mm-hmm. if it's a if it's a severe thing. There are ways around that. But if it wasn't that, then I didn't know what it right. could be and how we could get through it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the hearing evaluation, she said, Well, we'll send you our results, but his hearing was perfectly fine. I was like, no, no, no. But there was that one time when he did it. She's like, Mrs. Brody, I'm sorry. Your son has perfect hearing. And then we went to the speech evaluation and he was 50% delayed. And that prompted us into the world of first steps and therapy Mm -hmm. and and it followed. So um, there were a lot of things leading up to it. And um, at one point he was having a very severe meltdown at home and I was I was losing my mind mm-hmm. with him. I mean, I was just, I didn't know what to do. And um, I called a friend of mine. I knew that she worked with kids with special needs at church. And I didn't really know what her job was. Um, as it turns out, she happened to be an ABA therapist. Um, but she had just had a baby and she came over anyway. I mean, like within the hour uh, to help and she really prompted me to look into getting an autism evaluation. And I had just been not willing to go there. Yeah. You know, even yeah. he had already started speech therapy. He had already started OT. He had already started, you know, he stopped eating everything. 
he only ate goldfish and applesauce. That was the only thing mm-hmm. that he ate for nutrition. Um, he was on the on the cusp of failure to thrive. Yeah. And so there are a lot of issues. And I was just like, I just couldn't, I couldn't bring myself to call it what it was. Yeah. Um, and then she really, she and my mom, they both really encouraged me. Like, you know what? This is going to open your door for services and things. So it's going to be, you know, it's going to be okay. So that's how we kind of launched into the world of the diagnosis and everything after. And so when you finally did get that diagnosis, was it almost a relief? You know, you'd mm-hmm. been kind of not sure. How did, how did you handle it once you finally did get the diagnosis? It was absolutely a relief to finally kind of have an answer for all of the things. Um, everything that we'd been seeing, everything that we were worried about, it all meant something. It didn't add up to total chaos. So there was there was a reason for everything. Um, so it it felt very much as a relief, but it was terrifying. Yeah. I didn't know it was the first thing about autism at all. Um, mm-hmm. I remember when I was in college, our uh, choir group I was a part of, we we provided um, childcare for a Valentine's Day night out for a church. And so we provided childcare and we were there. And there was a young man, a, a little boy in the group and the parent came in and they said he has autism and he was completely nonverbal. I mean, did not say a word. And I felt a strong connection to this little boy and he, I was the only one he would actually sit with mm. and be calm with the yeah. whole. And so I just sat with him for two hours and it just in my lap, you know, and, and he was great. And that was my only experience with a person with autism. Mm. I knew nothing about it except what I was reading off of Google and um, which is a lot of there's so much out there. Scary place. Yeah, it's a scary place to go. Scary place to be. Um, so it, it was very much a relief because, okay, we have a direction. Now we know how to address these things. And even though he had started therapy, even the therapists were saying, okay, well, now that we actually have a diagnosis, we can address some of these things kind of more in depth, um, knowing where it's coming from and, and everything. So um, they, it it didn't change a lot of things because uh, he, he was already, already doing, doing the things, the yeah. therapy. Yeah. Um, but it did help everybody kind of have an understanding for for Sam. Yeah. And yeah. and and how he was responding to us and and why. And that that provided a lot of comfort for me mm-hmm. that it wasn't he's not rebelling against me as a parent. His the wires are crossed and they're misfiring and he's just responding at a fight or flight and you know all of those kinds mm-hmm. of things and so it provided a, a greater understanding uh, for me to be able to have that um, and having having a diagnosis opens up the door to accessibility to resources yeah. uh, like therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and for things to to be paid for, yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and for things for at school for him to get the help that he needed mm-hmm. in school, he wouldn't be able to get if he didn't have a diagnosis. Yeah. So it opened up a lot of doors that were positive, but it opened up some difficult doors personally with uh, myself and my husband that were that were very hard. And mm-hmm. you know, we we went through uh, a grief process and. That's still not, it's not a one and done no, thing. No, yeah. That grief. Needs grief. Ongoing, you know. It's ongoing. And every season provides something new. Yep. Uh, Sam used to be completely nonverbal. 
Um, and so I used to pray for him to speak. I used to, you know, beg God to give him words. I wanted to hear him say, I love you, mom. I wanted to, you know, all of those things. And, um, and in God's grace and in his providence, um, he's allowed Sam speech. And now sometimes I wish (laughs) 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 that there's a, uh, I, I bought this sign at a home store. It says, I remember the days when I prayed for the things that I have now. Mm. And that that I, I have to remind myself often of that, um, that even though there are still struggles, these are things that, that I prayed for and they are a blessing. Yeah. And I'm so, so grateful yeah. that we can communicate with each other in the way that we are able to communicate now. Um, it's, it's a, it's a blessing, but there are lots of, there are lots of ongoing things that are difficult. And I mean, he's looking at going to college in a year. So, I mean, and that's kind of was one of the things I wanted to ask. It's like, okay, he's now 16. So how does autism now impact your whole, you know, your family at this point Mm -hmm. in his growth and development? Yeah. Sam has always had a very low frustration tolerance. Uh, mm-hmm. He had pretty much a zero frustration tolerance level when he was very little. Um, it has been stretched over time. And so he's able to to tolerate more now, but he still gets very frustrated very easily. So escalation in our home is something that we are constantly on the lookout for. Um, when he is when he is getting upset if we are at any in any way also upset, mm-hmm. which as parents, you know, you you can be upset with your children. Like, why would you do something like that? Or no, you can't talk to me that way. You know? right, right. And so we always have to make sure that we're keeping things mm-hmm. low and even keel and calm. Because if we at any point raise a little bit, he will he will automatically um, rise 10 times above where we are. And then that makes us feel like we have to match him. Mm-hmm. And so we have to go against our instincts to do that. And still, you know, I am speaking to you calmly. You know, um, it's just, it's a difficult thing to navigate in our home. He's got two brothers and brothers are brothers. You yeah. know, they, sometimes they annoy each other. Um, they, they also play well together. You know, they play, um, they're on smash, you know, n- n- Nintendo, I, I don't know, whatever, whatever the gaming system is. Um, they they play video games together. You know, they play outside together. But sometimes things can get a little too heated, and the tendency for the brothers is to just walk away, mm. and then that can frustrate him because he wants to address it, and he always wants to resolve things right here, right now. And when we're telling him, no, we can't do that because you are not in a calm space, right. and this is going to get out of hand very quickly which we're able to have those conversations after a blow up or a meltdown. Mm-hmm. And in the, in the middle of it though, we're still navigating, you know, how do I communicate to you that I need to not speak to you because it's going to escalate. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to avoid. So we need to come back to this later, but he can't let it go because he perseverates on it. Mm. And so it's, it's a very difficult situation where it's a dance. I mean, you're trying to navigate and dance throughout the moves and what's, what, how you can keep the calm and the peace in in home. And I know that, um, you have, you've, you've written about your journey through, Mm -hmm. you had a blog, um, hope and autism Mm -hmm. and a podcast as well. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so hope's a really big theme about what you you want to teach other special needs parents. So yeah. what is it about hope? How is it that you have kept hope alive in your life, you know, on those hard days when the boys are battling with each other, when, you know, the smack talk's going down, whatever it is that's going on, or when those really, you know, those hard days are looking at transitioning and what's going to happen in the future. How have you kept hope alive in those seasons? Yeah, um, there is a, a verse in Revelation 21, and um, he's, John is talking about the revelation and, and what God is telling him. Uh, I'll just read it starting in, in verse one. He says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, but the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle or dwelling of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And this is it. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all mm. things new. Yeah. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And that all things new, mm-hmm. that is the hope that, yeah. that I carry. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it's really hard as a parent of a now verbal son to talk to parents whose children, despite all the same therapies, are not speaking right. and they are right. not at the same level. And I feel um, guilty because mm-hmm. something worked for my kid or in God's providence, he allowed my son this, but and his same providence did not allow it for this other one. And that is a real struggle for me, um, to be honest. Yeah. And But what I've expressed is that my hope, when especially when I'm talking with parents who are just starting this journey and they have a brand new diagnosis with a two-year-old or a five-year-old, is not that our hope is not in the things that we can see or hear on this earth. You know, our hope is not that, I mean, of course we would hope that they can meet milestones and that they could speak and that they can communicate with us and that they can be independent and all the things that parents want for their children. Those are earthly hopes, but our true hope is found in that one day, all of these things will be wiped away. Yeah, I can't Everything <laughs> will be made new. Yeah. Yes, everything yeah. will be made new and there will not be any struggle to communicate there will not be frustration tolerance levels that you have to dance around waiting for the other shoe to drop constantly living yeah. on edge yeah. all the time, yeah. um, constantly waiting for insurance to pay, constantly looking for help to, uh, to provide respite or care for your child. Um, all the worries that we have, everything, one day, all of it will be made new. And that, that is our hope and it's provided through Christ who is our living hope. And so that, that is what I, what I preach to myself in the dark, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. in, the, in the pain. And even just, you know, we, we just had graduation for my son uh, a couple of weeks ago and all of our family was in town. And I, it just, there was just so much going on and all of these things just kind of pile on for Sam. and. 
that he wouldn't necessarily say that that's what it was, but I, I can see that it, it all contributes, but he had a massive meltdown, um, um, that night, like after the party was mm. all, was all done. Uh, no, yeah. it was the night before the party, excuse me. And, and I just thought, I just want, I just wanted to focus on, on Ben. I just wanted all of mm. my focus and attention to be on him and just, just experience nothing but, but joy and happiness and excitement and the bittersweetness of, you know, sending off my first child. And, and then Sam had some, some things come up and we had to, to go through that. And it just felt like, I, I don't ever get a break. Yeah. You know, and it's, um, and I don't mean that in a, you know, in a resentful way or anything like that. It just, I think it's okay to be transparent as a parent. Mm-hmm. Like these are feelings that we feel. Right. And it's okay to feel these feelings, yeah. you know, and yeah. not be, you know, some hero saying, well, oh, we've got it all together all the time. Yeah. Right. We have to address it. And so it was just, uh, and so I sat and I cried on my, kitchen floor uh, while my husband took him out and took him for a drive to get him calmed down. And, mm-hmm. you know, while my family was trying to go to sleep, my extended family was trying to go to sleep upstairs. <laughs> you yeah. know, yeah. it was just, yeah. um, and so these are the things that I preach to myself, even in those moments that yeah. this is hard now, but Jesus is here with me. Mm-hmm. And so even in the hard that we experience now, because yeah. it is hard now, Jesus is here with us, but there is something better coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what do you do, you know, when those thoughts start coming in and your mind is racing and, you know, you, you're, we, can get, we can get in that cycle of life is so hard. Nobody sees me. Nobody else's life is like mine. What do you do when those things start happening to refocus your thoughts on what's really true? What do you do to, to shift that narrative in your mind? Yeah. I feel like it's different for when I'm telling somebody something versus what I actually do. For of course. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because when I tell other people, and even the, when I'm talking to, to, to Sam about things, I'm like, okay, but we have to think about what is true. What do we know to be true and hold up everything in the light, um, in the light of Christ and in the light of scripture. And what, what do we know to be true? And you know, because our emotions lie to us. There's so many lies that we listen to. Nobody else has a life like mine. Nobody else understands. Yes, they do. You know them. You, so um, honestly, a lot of times in those moments, because I do feel so very alone, even if my husband is there with me, it's it's different as the mom. But um, even in those moments, I will reach out to somebody. I'll send a text message. I have one particular friend. She also has a son on the spectrum and her son and my son with regards to their, I know there's a lot of debate of terminology, but just, you know, like their level of functioning is right, about the same. Right. Um, and she, she understands, I mean, we, you know, she understands. So I will text her like, this just happened. I'm undone, you know, and, and she writes back this sucks and I hate this for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. nobody's trying to fix anything for anybody, yeah. but sometimes it just helps to reach out to somebody that, you know, yeah, that's going through the same thing. And, and it's not, you know, Hey, make me feel better about this. It's just, it's just a getting it out there and speaking Mm it yeah, (laughs) and, you know, letting it be true that this just happened and this is really hard and I don't know how to go to bed now. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and sometimes it's okay, get up, go wash your face off, you know, get a drink of water, whatever. And, 
um, do this and, and try to go to bed. So there might be some instructions, but just being able to reach out, I think is helpful to know in your soul that you're not alone because your yeah. mind is telling you nobody else is experiencing this. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is, you know, um, nobody else's big life event is being shattered right now. That's not, that's simply just not true. Right. And we have all these emotions that are screaming things in our head or whispering them. Mm -hmm. And we start to believe them the longer we dwell on them. And so if we can kind of get outside of ourselves, reach out to somebody, pray. And sometimes those prayers are, I don't even know. I'm just, I'm talking to you because you're the only, you're, you're the only hope that I have. Please help me. Please give us wisdom what to do. Please help tonight to go well. You know, please help us. Just help. Mm-hmm. God, please just help. Yeah. And it just, there has, there's, it's just crying out for help. And that's what David did in the Psalms. Yes. Yeah. And, and the lamenting is okay. It's yes. okay to mm-hmm. pour out your heart and say, this is, this stinks and I don't like this and to pour mm-hmm. out your heart. But then you've got to get to a place where you can shift it. Right. And you can say, but God, you know, yes. you, this is, you're going to help us. You're going to help us through this, even though it stinks in the moment to, right. to know that it's going to change and, and get better. And so when you look at your son, who's on the spectrum, what is it that you want to, what truths do you want to instill in him about how God views him, even through the autism? I, I've always taught him, he's, he's asked me a lot of questions about, you know, about autism and and why it exists. Um, Sam does not identify the same way that a lot of autistic individuals do Mm -hmm. with kind of a prideful, not prideful and arrogance, but just, you know, being proud of who they are with autism. He hates, he hates it. And he struggles a lot with that. I mean, yeah, he, there, there are some deep, deep struggles there. Um, He does, he does not like how things happen. Um, when there is a meltdown, there's a cycle, mm-hmm. there's a meltdown, and yeah. then there's a um, uh, kind of a the letdown after the meltdown, and that's remorse and sorrow and and self-deprecation and you know all of these things and and why am I like this and I don't want to do this and I it's like I can't help it. I didn't want to keep going, but my brain just wouldn't let me stop. Mm. And why did God make me this way? And you know, a lot of times I talk to him through my own tears and, and I've said, Sam, I don't, I don't really know. I don't, I don't have the specific plan and the specific reason, but what I do know is that we exist for the glory of God. And so God made you the way that you are fearfully and wonderfully mm-hmm. uh, in his image, you are created to reflect Christ and to reflect his goodness and, and his characteristics. And, and you do um, a lot of those things. Um, and you struggle sometimes, but you know, we all have our, our various struggles. And I don't know why, except that I know that somehow it's supposed to be for our good and for his glory. Mm. And I, I can't explain that. I don't, I don't have an outline for you. I don't have a book you can read. There are lots of books that you can read, but and the, you know, yeah. I, it's just, it's very difficult to, to navigate. And so telling him, you know, I, I don't know, but I believe that God is working in you 
because the things that you are doing, you are making a difference in the lives of other people. Yeah. Other people see you and what they're doing. And sometimes it's, well, if Sam can do it, I can do it too. And so you bring an encouragement to people just by being who you are, just by mm-hmm. persevering. His, his greatest strength is this perseverance that he has. Um, he, he's able to focus on one thing and, and keep going with it until he gets it right or until he does what, you know, what he wants to do with it. And, and that's going to take him great places someday. Yeah. You know, that's going to be a, that's a good thing. It can be a difficult thing when you can't let go of something, yeah. but it, it, so there's, I mean, there's pros and cons to every characteristic, I think, but um, I, I can't explain it except that, uh, you know, we always point to the story in John, um, the man who's blind on the side yeah. of the road and everyone's yeah. like, you know, why is this man born blind? And, and he says, he, he, you know, nobody sinned, nobody caused this man's blindness, but he was, he was born blind to display the works of God. Mm-hmm. And so for whatever reason, God has seen it fit to allow disability uh, in our lives. And it's something that we have to live with. Um, and somehow though, somehow it brings him glory to do so. Mm-hmm. And I can't explain it. And it doesn't sound fair. And it doesn't sound very good. Like, well, that doesn't seem like a good God would do that. But but God is God is good. Mm-hmm. He is good in everything that he allows, everything that he um, provides for, everything that he has created. His creation is good. So I have to trust. I have to trust and believe that that it is good yeah. and for his yeah. glory. Well, you're transitioning now from adolescence into young adulthood. I'm sure you've got it all figured out. <laughs> you've got a 10-step plan of how you're going to navigate <laughs> into adulthood. But no, really, what what does that look like for you right now? Because that's, you know, we're looking at, at graduation coming up in the future. And what do you, what are your hopes and dreams for him when you look to the future and with this transition that'll be coming up soon? Uh, Sam is looking into going into photography, maybe looking at film studies. Uh, He loves movies, loves movies. And he's always wanted to have something to do with movies. And then he couldn't quite figure out how everything worked and what producers actually do and the, the work that they actually do. So he said, well, I'll just do photography. So he picked up a camera and started shooting. And uh, for uh, the people that I've shown things to, granted, most of them are family members, um, but even other people, coworkers and, and friends that I've shown his work to, they all seem to think that he actually has a knack for mm. photography. Uh, I personally love his photos. So photography is something that he wants to be studying. Um, there's a, a program here in our town uh, with Ivy Tech. Um, our high school has a um, it's called the Ivy Tech Promise. Um, so if you graduate from our high school in good standing and with a certain GPA, which is, is currently 3.9, um, then you can go to Ivy Tech for two years for free. And they have a photography program there. And what I've been doing with him is trying to set up a mentorship with different photographers to kind of help him not only learn photography, but kind of learn what he can do with it. Mm. And several years ago, when he was 
like three, four years old, I went to a an autism conference uh, in um, Philadelphia, I think, with my mom, and we heard Temple Grandin speak. Mm-hmm. And I had the opportunity to talk with her personally, and it was an incredible experience. But I'll, I remember at that point, she said, she talked a lot about, you know, how to help kids kind of find jobs. And I thought, well, this isn't for me. You know, he's, he's three right now. But I remember what she said, and I'm grateful that I do. She talked about finding back doors for our kids mm, because kind of the yeah. typical path of college to interview, to job, career, mm. doesn't always work for our kids. Yeah. And so sometimes we need to find a back door. And so I've been banging on every back door I can find mm, wow. to try to help. Um, I got online and started looking up photographers in our area. Uh, being so close to Louisville, there's there's a lot of different people available. Um, and, and he's met with a couple different people. Um, the Ivy Tech photography professor is one that he's meeting with actually this week. I set up a meeting with him and he's going to be mentoring him on a regular basis. He's taken him on. And I don't know if that'll mean that he'll go to Ivy Tech or or not. I really don't know where he wants to go. He wants to go to college. Um, I think that he, in in his mind, he thinks that the four-year university is college air quotes, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. and so he wants, and his brother is going to a four-year university and he's always wanted to do everything that Benjamin does. So Benjamin's going to be in Boston. He's like, well, maybe I should go to a big city too. (laughs) You don't have to do everything exactly the same way the big brother does it. Um, So there are some other um, smaller, well, the Ball State University is in Indiana and there's Bellarmine and Louisville. So there are some that are close by that have good programs. So we're trying to look into that for him. Um, and see what's going to be the best fit. So I don't know if it'll be Ivy Tech or something else, but he does want to go to college. He does want to live independently. Um, he's currently trying to, he's creating his own plan for how to get his driver's license. So um, he's 16. He's a year older than he needs to be to get a permit. So um, he wants to start practicing with driving and, and studying the manual and take his permit test and uh, and eventually get his license. And I don't really know what that'll look like if if he'll be if that'll be in the next year or two or or later. I'm I'm really just not sure. It makes me really scared. Yeah, really <laughs> like um, letting go. Really yeah, yeah. It just, for for him, it's just a whole other. I, and I I told my mom one time. I said I feel like he'll either be really really great at it or it's just going to be too much because mm-hmm. yeah, there's so many things you have to focus on right. and you have to have those immediate. And I don't question his immediate responses. I just, or that he could have an immediate response and break when he needs to. I just worry about, he's very much rule oriented. So they're mm-hmm. breaking the rules. They were not supposed to do that. And yeah, we don't need to have fuel road rage on top right, of everything right. else. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my good. And, and so just trying to figure out how to navigate that. And I know that's, that's all those stages. It's just hard on a mama's heart, you know, to, to, uh, but that's where we have to go. Okay, God, you've got this and trusting in him to lead us and guide us. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, this year at Rising Above is our year of restoration. And we're looking at ways that we're allowing God to bring restoration into our lives. So what are you doing right now that is really restorative to you? Mm-hmm. So I have recently started meeting with a, a counselor, actually. Mm, yeah. Um, when I was very, uh, when Sam was young, when all my babies were young, I had postpartum depression with all of them. 
And then after a diagnosis and we had a big career change and, and we moved halfway across the country, there's a lot of changes. And then when we finally got all settled, my body kind of revolted against everything. Mm-hmm. And um, so I have struggled a lot with depression in the past. And um, thankfully, I've been able to uh, to come out of that. But sending off my firstborn, looking yeah. at sending off my second with special needs, and all of those things, I feel like I almost, I kind of feel like I'm that, that I will have a tendency to go back towards um, just struggling again, mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally, all of those that spiritually. And so I decided, you know what, I, I want to get on the front end of things. So I actually started meeting with a counselor from our church and uh, meet with her weekly. And she's kind of walking me through uh, scripture and different exercises and things to help me reframe Mm -hmm. some of the things that I'm going through and just kind of understanding, you know, the things that we're facing and how to address it in a healthy way that is going to draw me closer to God, that is going to keep me from, hopefully, (laughs) keep me from falling into Mm -hmm. uh, the depths of of depression and despair again. Um, it's, It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, sending, sending, launching your kids off. Yeah, you know? um, it's a hard, it's a hard thing, and it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's just the bittersweetness is, yeah. it's so bitter and it's so sweet mm-hmm. at the same time. Um, and I, and I, and I don't have any doubts that you know, I think that they're going to be okay. I think my kids are going to, they're going, they're going to be okay. It's just. Am I? <laughs> yeah. That was, well, but good for you for being proactive, you know, for seeing, like not waiting till you got to that crisis moment, but to go ahead and get those things in place mm-hmm. so that you, you've you got that firm foundation before those changes actually take place. So I think that's great yeah. to see that and to go ahead and put those things in place. So mm-hmm. good for you. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I've enjoyed getting to catch up with you and hearing parts of your story I did not know. So thanks for your time today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It was great. Thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast. If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.